I had decided to. Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are taking a little trip to the city of brotherly love, yeah. Philadelphia. That's right. It's Can't also, wait to get me a cheese stick. It's also a city of like monsters and, and bizarre urban legends and hauntings. Yes, there's a lot going on there apparently. We haven't done this in a little while where we where we pick a location and dig into the the haunted history of it. And I'm, I'm really excited to be doing it again. I got to tell you, it feels great. It's like putting on an old sweater or yes. something. And this topic came to us by way of my friend Jessie, mm-hmm. who moved to Philadelphia with her boyfriend, Mike. And they're both tattooers at a place called True Hand Society in Philadelphia. That is gorgeous. It's a renovated church. Oh, wow. It is beautiful looking like stained glass but then they repainted the inside like all black and white with pretty plants it's awesome so i went there a few weeks ago to get tattooed and uh jesse and i were talking and she was saying like it doesn't seem like there are that many ghost stories here like when i moved here i looked some stuff up but like i didn't find as much as i was expecting to and Hmm. i was like well why don't i go ahead and cover that on the show and she said please do yeah there are this one's for you yeah, I, uh, certainly in some of the digging that I did, I I, I tried to look for oddball mm-hmm. sorts of stories. Um, I know that you've got some haunted locations. Yes. So I specifically tried to look up just like weird beliefs or history or or uh, man, I've got I've got one thing that's just like so weird. Uh huh. Um, some of them are very small. I should say that my side of this yeah. of this episode is far more grab bag. My things Quick are not hits. terribly long. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. So maybe I should even launch into one of mine first. Please, I want to hear what you're talking about. That's I, all weird. I think technically I have more um, than than what you have mm-hmm. number wise. So uh, let's let's just start it off with this. It's Philadelphia. Yeah. One of Philadelphia's most famous sons, Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. I also tried to look into things that are like rooted in specifically Philadelphia. You know, like I've got some st- stuff about the Liberty Bell. Yeah, right. As well, I wanted to dig into like old America. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's what all this is. Actually, National Treasure. <laughs> I know. I was resisting saying something about it. But as soon as you mentioned Benjamin Franklin, I was like, well, right. actually, this kind of folds beautifully into Cagetober. As we all know, Mr. Nicholas Cage found Benjamin Focal's tri- Benjamin Focal's <laughs> Benjamin Franklin's trifocals he finds in that movie. Benjamin Focal's is what they're called. Gonna... That's the ripoff of Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah, Benjamin Focal. <laughs> um, so here's some information about um, a specter of Benjamin Franklin you might see. Not his ghost, another thing entirely. I want to say something real quick. So yeah. Even though I did find some ghost stories and everything, I understand what Jesse is talking about. There aren't as many like really elaborate right. ghost stories for Philadelphia as I expected there to be. And I think it might be because it was like the site of a lot of like founding father activity. Sure. And maybe people didn't want to besmirch their name or something like that. There's less like I don't know, kind of fun spookiness and yeah, yeah. It, it's more like reverence maybe is going on. Yeah, it's more like people like wearing like short pants with their mm-hmm. their knee high socks or whatever, right? To celebrate, it's not as as juicy. No, yeah, there's less juice, right? To to Philadelphia, we were going to go to and we couldn't arrange it. There's a um, 
like an adults only ghost tour of Philly. That's not like really crazy, but it talks about like mistresses and sex workers oh, and really? stuff. So I wonder if there's like a rich, maybe there is a rich vein of ghost stories. And the reason Jesse didn't find them when she moved there and was looking stuff up was because it's the stuff that you don't talk about as They're much like or something. They're like tucked away. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. They're talked away as like adults only yeah. ghost entertainment. Right. And so as far as, you know, like ghost tours and things that you're going to do and, you know, that are like tourist trappy, maybe there aren't as many stories about, you know, Benjamin Franklin they want to tell, but maybe Benjamin Franklin's mistress maybe. gets yeah. a lot of play at That's night. interesting. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Well, here's a story about old uh, Benny Franklin himself, Benny Fogel. <laughs> so this comes to us from Ranker. Uh, check the show notes for all of our sources. Uh, it's about Benjamin Franklin's statue, which is at Library Hall. Mm-hmm. The statue is said to step down from its pedestal <laughs> and stroll and dance. I love that. Through the city. <laughs> That's so awesome. Should the need overtake him, the statue might even visit one of the old city bars. Oh. Perhaps City Tavern, which I'll be talking a little bit about later. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, but does this imply that, like, you know, the saloon doors open and a, and, and a metal man <laughs> walks in? Right. right? It does seem to imply that to me. Now, it's weird because... because yeah, it's not saying the ghost might stop right. by City Tavern. It's saying the statue It's might. saying a sta- It's like RoboCop showing up, right. you know? It's not Benjamin Franklin. Right. Why is his spirit imbued in this thing that just happens to look like him? Well, it doesn't really just happen to look like him. It was made well, in his likeness. So. Right. But like maybe like does it have his teeth? You know, like does it have like, <laughs> you know, his fingernails inside it or something like that? Like I feel like there's an element of, you know, transference <laughs> of spirit into it that I, I don't understand. Well, but the If emotion, you just make a statue of me. Right. D- can that Yes. Be I think probably, me? you know, I don't know. But I mean- there is the emotion of all the people who created this Benjamin Franklin thing. They're thinking about him. They're checking a reference. They're going back. They're, what do you do with, with a metal statue? You don't mold it. How is this made? How oh, do you make that? Oh, I. You don't chip I, yeah. away at a giant piece of metal. It doesn't matter. I, I don't know. Maybe they warm it up and then mush it. They must. Right? They must forge it. They forge it. it? That make a mold. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, so they so they did chip away. They did probably make a mold of Benjamin Franklin, and then they put a bunch of metal in the mold and then pulled it out. Like okay. you're making popsicles. So you could you could uh, you could mass produce this. Yeah, certainly. You could have a million Benjamin. You could have an army of metal Benjamin Franklin city. Yeah. Oh my god. Maybe that's a secret government program. Oh my god. Maybe it's like one of the things that I didn't cover here is that there are supposedly like tunnels mm-hmm. under a lot of buildings in Philadelphia. Maybe they're filled. With metal Benjamin Franklin's just preparing for the end times. I think they probably are. (laughs) It seems you've stumbled across our secret, dear boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, but you must not leave. Oh god! But anyway, anyway, yeah, maybe maybe everybody thinking about Benjamin Franklin put him into the statue topo like. Right. Yeah. 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 But what's he going to a bar for? Is he going to drink something? I don't know. He wants to be around his friends. A statue doesn't have an esophagus. I don't know. Tell that to the Tin Man. Could he drink? <laughs> All right, I will. <laughs> Tell to him right now. Um, they also make a point of saying that people throw pennies at the grave okay. of Benjamin Franklin because he's got a famous saying, uh, a penny saved is a penny earned. Mm. Now, Ranker points out pennies may not be enough because, quote, visitors often discover money missing from their wallets after paying homage to Franklin's resting place. 
So Benjamin That's... Franklin is going to bars and stealing your money. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin seems like a problem. Yeah, a bad dude. A menace. And if we have, yeah, if we've got a bunch of them underground, mm-hmm. who knows what they're up to? I know. Yeah, exactly. I'm not liking this. What do they need all that wealth for? <laughs> right. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. <laughs> um, since we're saying, since we're patriotic, mind if I just roll into another shorty? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, go for it. Uh, so let's talk about the Liberty Bell. Okay. So Benjamin Franklin, the Liberty Bell. I think both are synonymous with mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Yes. So this is not spooky at all. I started this by thinking like I wonder if there is anything that is creepy around the Liberty Bell and then the more I read about that it that crack is pretty scary it's a scary crack yeah uh, but the more I read about it the more I was like oh wait I guess I didn't know anything about this <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting so I, I figured I would put it out there uh-huh. so the Liberty Bell now I, I think that this is one of the like the icons of Americana right? right it's it's a bell with a giant crack down it and they display it so people can look at it in Philadelphia mm-hmm. why and I'm sure some thing. people know, and, and I'm a big dummy for not knowing this, but I, I didn't know. You're asking why the Liberty Bell is a big deal? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know why? Of course I do. Of course she does. So I'm just going to tell the audience out there. Yeah. So um, there are some people who believe the Liberty Bell got its name because it was used to announce the signing of the Declaration of Independence on the 4th of July, mm-hmm. 1776. Not so. Oh. It, it ain't true. Maybe they rang the bell okay. at the signing of the Declaration. There's no like written evidence that they did. Okay. Um, but also evidently the uh, sign, the Declaration of Independence was not signed on the 4th of July. Um, it was adopted on the 2nd. Mm-hmm. The first public reading of it was on the 8th. Oh. And it took weeks for it to be signed by everybody. Why did they glom on to the 4th then? I don't, I don't know. You got to have a day to Weird. celebrate. Okay. So uh, it wouldn't become known as the Liberty Bell. For 63 years mm-hmm. after that, in 1839, um, it was uh, written about, it was said to be the Liberty Bell uh, in a pamphlet called The Liberty Bell by Friends of Freedom, a group of abolitionists talking about freeing the slaves. Okay. So um, 63 years later, and so presumably before this pamphlet was printed, it was just known as the, the regular old bell. Yeah, that big bell. <laughs> that big bell. Huh. They chime. Um, <laughs> there is a myth that it cracked, it got the crack, when it told the death of Chief Justice John Marshall, hmm. which is kind of a cool story. The guy dies, and so yeah, they signify his death, and the bell cracks wide open. Yeah, like it was crying. Yes, like it was weeping for mm-hmm. Chief Justice John Marshall. Yeah. That is also not true. Okay. So some of what I read is the point of the bell was to be a bell. It was supposed to get people's attention and to signify times of the day, signify times when people could congregate. Mm-hmm. And from the initial uh, moment the bell was made, it was prone to cracking and chipping. <laughs> so they kept <laughs> patching it and fixing it. Okay. And then it would like crack again. Huh. And then ultimately nobody knows... When what? it got the trademark crack that they decided not to fix anymore, nobody knows when that happened. What? I feel like I learned in school, like, the time that that happened, and I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I could have sworn the same thing. Yeah. It, it, it is It is lost to time. That's so weird. Have you ever seen the Liberty Bell? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you been to Philly much? Sure. A little yeah. bit. I like Philadelphia. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a ton or anything, but yeah. Yeah. I have... Uh, a mem- two memorable stories in Philadelphia, both involving all the horse and carriages around Uh-oh. and like the disgusting, like horse poop and pee smell. <laughs> I knew it. I know. Um, I went on a date with a dude there and <laughs> we were at a crosswalk and they both involved crosswalks. You step and in horse manure? No, but it like and pretend smelled- it was an accident. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no, look what I did. Oh no, that's why we didn't have a second one. Um, no, it was just oh, the smell was like overwhelming, and he was like, "Oh, I I think it's uh, you know, like whatever." He was like acknowledging it, but in a really weird way, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know what it is." Douglas. It was so he was too I, shy to say it I, smells like horse feces. Basically, basically. Sorry, babe. It smells like horse doo-doo. <laughs> Let's go over here. And then the other time was I was the way a-hole in this situation. There was like instant karma. It was with Ryan, so it was years and years later. And we're also at a crosswalk. It also smelled like horse pee or poop or whatever. And you're not sure which. I don't remember. And uh I was <laughs> Of course, I wasn't shy. So I was like, oh, what's that smell? And then there were these um, Occupy Wall Street people who were like on a green kind of a head. And they were like holding signs. They had like dreads and stuff. And I was like, oh, it's probably those hippies over there. And then the light turned, you know, red or whatever for us to go out across the crosswalk. And I walked a couple steps and then completely face planted and slipped. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh in no 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 not in anything i just just fell over my own two feet just fell to the ground i was like oh it's probably those hippies (laughs) those hippies who are you (laughs) well that was the point i'm i'm with them yeah i'm just saying (laughs) those hippies um well there you go i think those are my two sort of well there you go patriotic americana Mm -hmm. stories and then i have some other like small weird oddities okay yeah um all right well I'll, i'll go i'll take one on Let's talk about the Balleroy Mansion. Balleroy. Or, or Balleroy. I don't know. It's B-A-L-E-R-O-Y. Okay. So this place, I assumed, I think I assumed that almost every like old historical house that's said to be haunted is a place that's open to the public that you can tour and stuff. And this one isn't. It's actually a private residence now. Um, but for a long time... It actually, I don't know if you could ever tour it now that I think about it. <laughs> eh, well, okay. Whatever. Anyway, this place is haunted. You could or could not go in there. Sure. So it was built, depending on who's telling the story, in either 1911 or 1925. There well, you're telling the story reports. now, so which was it? It's 1911. Okay. Because <laughs> most often connected to people saying it was built in 1911 is this story. They say that the first owner of the home was this like well-to-do carpenter um, who murdered his wife inside the home, mm-hmm. thus consecrating the ground in blood. Oh, no. Right. Um, but he moved on, I guess. And then some people moved in for a little while of, you know, no big deal. And then the Easby family purchased the home in 1926, and they had lots of stuff happen. Once the Easbys are in there, it is going nuts, basically. Hmm. So um, the mansion stayed in the family until 2005 when George Easby died at 87. And the activity is pretty much all Easby related. And the current owners said that um, they don't sense anything. They hear some noises sometimes, but they think it's just like the cricks and creaks of an old house. Huh. So it seems like killer guy. Yeah. Time of okay. Easebees. Stuff happens. So, yeah, it's literally the Easebees. Well, there's one person who was um, living there in that in-between time who... <laughs> said to kind of come around she's an elderly gal who accosts people with her cane what i know i tried to find more information on that because the article that i read which is linked in the show notes 
says that, says that it's an elderly woman who has been known to accost people with her cane. And I was like, does this mean she's attacking them with her cane? What's happening? So I was Googling different iterations of that, and I couldn't find anything more specific. So I don't know. Maybe she's shaking her cane at them or something. I know. If if somebody accosts you, yeah, it could mean – I would almost interpret it to mean anything from uh, forcibly getting your attention. Completely. Eh, I think somebody being in your space to attacking, you know, being like, hey, kid, okay, or whatever. So she could have just been in people's faces like, I'm here. Look at me. Please. (laughs) So So she came around to say, yes, ghosts. No, no, no. She's a ghost. Oh, she's the ghost. She's the ghost accosting people. Oh, okay. Right. It's a woman who lived there before the Easbys, but before that... I mean, excuse me, after that, it's pretty much all the Easebees experiencing things. Okay. And Easebees being ghosts. Wow, Easebees be ghosts. Yeah, that's a hard name to say repeatedly. It's incredibly hard to say, the Easebees. Yeah. But I do like it. Yeah, I do. It's um, E-A-S-B-Y. Easebees. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you okay. have what they saw? Yeah, so the deal is they moved in. And about a year later, the kids of the family, the brothers, Stephen and George, were looking into a fountain that was on their property. Because it's like rich people mansion stuff. Um, They're looking into it. And Stephen's uh, reflection was a skull. Oh. But George's reflection was normal. And they were like, oh, that's scary. That's weird. That's cool. They both saw the skull? Yes. Neat. Um, But they moved on. And six years later, Stephen died of an unnamed disease. So people wonder if that was any sort of premonition. An omen. That they saw. Exactly. Um, Six years? I know. It's a long time. But, you know. Still weird. I guess I would think, because he was young still when this happened. You know what I mean? It was like, it was a, a tragic death of a child. So I guess if you have that in the back of your head, like, hey, remember that time that... Like, I saw Steven's skull right. as a reflection. Now Isn't that, that kind of weird? Because it was like, like some people treat omens like, you know, a black cat walks in front of your path. Mm-hmm. You know? So if a black cat walked in front of your path and then you died six years later, you wouldn't be like, oh, it was the it black, was black cat. black cat, no. But this is so crazy. It's very specific. It's very specific. It's you just see him. your reflection as a skull. Yeah. I guess, what's the timeliness of an omen? I don't you know. know. It depends on the the omen. Like I think, and the result of the omen. I think because it's really, really crazy to look into like a pond and then see yourself as a skull. Yeah. And then the event of a child dying six years later is also very extreme. Absolutely. It's yes. easier to connect them. Completely. As opposed to like a black cat crosses your path, which could happen any day of the week and not be a big deal. Exactly. And then six years later, you know, you hurt yourself you're not like it was the black cat totally agreed i'm just saying like logistically for the spiritual realm Mm -hmm. why the omen so far ahead because they don't know time they don't know time there's um in in the i've I've got ghostbusters on the brain again Mm -hmm. this happens periodically yes but also the new i bet say the movie's coming out the new ghostbusters coming out in the first ghostbusters movie janine um the receptionist she says to egon I'm very psychic about these things. I'm mm-hmm. afraid you're going to die. <laughs> and he's the only dead Ghostbuster. Yeah. Now, it happened 30 years later. Yes. So that's not an omen. No, that's a coincidence. Yeah. And also, she's talking to Egon, not to... Harold um, Ramis. Yeah, right. Yeah, but because, because yeah, Harold know, Ramis but is dead. Yeah, but it's... Egon's dead. Yeah, but not in that world, necessarily. He might be, but I don't know. I see them as separate. 
Yeah, no, it it, it definitely no, know, is. It's just one of those. Yeah, things that people talk about. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's interesting to notice. Yeah. Um. So, because Stephen passed away, his ghost has been seen a lot there. Um. It like they would just see glimpses of a little kid, and also things that were related to Stephen would happen, like his portrait flying off the wall and landing fifteen feet away. Oh God! Like, how that happened? Yeah, that's about long distance. I know, and it remained intact apparently. Oh. And they looked to see if, um, you know, like something was ripped out of the wall that made it fall. Was the um, string thing on the back of the portrait snapped or anything? And everything was fine and intact, hmm. but somehow it just went from the wall to the floor. Um, there was an employee of the house whose name was David Belts, who said that one day he and a co- co-worker were outside working on the grounds and then, quote, I noticed a person looking out the window at me, a young kid with blonde hair. He had his hands on the sill and was looking toward the yard. I said to my buddy, look at that little kid. And then it just faded off. And my buddy said, man, that was really strange. <laughs> and then his buddy never came back to work. Too scary. Like. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, yeah, he didn't die scared. or anything. He's too spooked. Too, yeah. Wow, because his comments seemed understated. Yeah, right. Man, that was really strange. Man, that was really strange. Well, I guess he went home, gave it a think. And then... And thought... I'm gotta, too spooked. Yeah, this is way too spooky for me. <laughs> um, the Easby's mother, Henrietta, is also said to have been seen here and there. And um, also, as I said, the ghost of the owner previous to them. That was the lady who was accosting people with their cane. But... The big bad of the house mm. that really made me sit up a little straighter in my chair is the blue room with its chair of death. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's said that anybody who has sat in that chair has died soon after. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's not now good. Now that's a chair you don't want to sit in. Get rid of that chair. Right. So the room itself. At what point do you decide it's the chair's doing? So apparently four people sat in it and then died within like two weeks. And I don't know, maybe that's the only thing they had. But the chair is in the house. Right. Right? So you'd go like, well, people who come to this house, some of them die. Maybe it's like a room that's like set off or something that people don't go into a lot. So maybe after two, they're like, huh, they both went in that blue room. That's strange. But then you have to have enough data to be like, all right, somebody else went in the blue room and they didn't die. Right. You almost have to like pay attention to your data set to be like, well, they so it's don't... not everybody who comes in the house. It's people who go into the blue room. Oh, it's not everybody who goes into the blue room. It's everybody who stands by the window. No, wait, it's not the window uh, because somebody didn't die. Oh, it's everybody who sat in the chair. Yes, it's everyone who sat in the chair. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's a process of elimination to get down to it's the chair's fault. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Okay. But apparently that process took place and George Easby wouldn't let anybody sit in the chair after that because people kept dying from the chair. Did he try to get rid of it? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> See, this, these are the issues I, mean, I, don't I have. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> if, if, if we found out that there's a chair in our house yeah. that's killing people, you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm going to Allie, I'm saying, I'm getting rid of that chair. <laughs> and it's gone. <sighs> Craigslist, curb alert. Yeah, but maybe you're putting that curse <laughs> on somebody chair. else. Yeah, no. Free chair. <laughs> Come and take it. You got to pick it up yourself. Maybe they were like, we have to, well, at least we can control this. This is in our control. Oh, so you think we it was a noble to... gesture to keep the chair contained? Maybe. But where is it now? I don't know. I I don't know. You might be sitting in <laughs> Blue chair. Well, I've sat in this chair a lot, so <laughs> I don't know. Well, fine. <laughs> um, so to set the scene, the blue room is this like 
frilly ass 18th century style room in this house that's like light blue and all pretty and stuff and then there's this chair in the middle of it you see Um, (laughs) dead center yeah um the blue room has other weird stuff it has secret compartments built into the room um a set of silverware that was used at a celebratory dinner after the signing of the declaration of independence oh it could just be by anybody though i don't know it's just yeah just john's plates right it was used to celebrate afterward Right. So it's not that it was used by John Hancock. No. It was, no, it was used, used by the Easbies, I guess. By the Easbies to celebrate. Right. The Easbies have a high opinion of themselves. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, maybe they do. Oh, so they, oh, no, it wasn't used by the Easbies because the house was built in 1911-ish. Oh, but maybe they okay. bought it from somebody. They also um, bought a bunch of like... Uh, this rich people stuff. This, uh, this set was used to celebrate... I know. I don't even know if that's true. Of Who's course not. that? It's probably at some weird auction with paddles, and everybody <laughs> got all like hyped up. Even though when you step away and you think about it, you're like, okay, so it was just used by someone. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. Okay. Um, they also had a bunch of stuff of Thomas Jefferson's in the house. <laughs> probably also bought at paddle auction. Yeah. And so some people. This say, is Thomas Jefferson's bedpan. Yes, yeah, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson's waistcoat. Yeah, I used the bedpan as a hat. Uh. <laughs> or a flower pot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- some people also say that Thomas Jefferson haunts the home because his stuff is in there. But then other people take umbrage with that because because they're like, um, it wasn't built until 1911. So Thomas Jefferson didn't actually live there. So why would he be haunting it? But I don't know. Maybe it's his favorite bedpan and waistcoat. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he loves that stuff. Maybe. I don't know. So anyway, it's this frilly billy room. And then it has the chair in it. Mm-hmm. Now, this, if I was already sitting up straight. Oh, my posture was ramrod after I read this. Were you? It's no. It's said to have been previously owned by Napoleon (sighs) and was crafted by a warlock. Oh, okay. I've sit up a little straighter all of a sudden. Couldn't find any more info on that. So you might want to slouch again. But uh, anytime I just put in like, you know, chair of death crafted by a warlock, it would just say that. Yeah, I didn't have anything else about like the warlock who crafted it. And nobody online is talking about another chair of death crafted by a warlock. It all comes right back here. No, I'm just saying that it's, there's no elaboration on this cha- this chair, this warlock. It was crafted by a warlock. <laughs> now, the warlock crafted it, but he didn't necessarily use witchcraft. I think it's implied if you're saying a warlock. I, th- I think that's what they're getting at. Why? I, I'm a writer. If I made a chair, it's not like it would be like imbued with stories. <laughs> but because you're not magic. A warlock is magic, so he... he Everything he does has magic in it? I think they're implying that he deliberately put magic in it. He can't just be a hobbyist, you know, No, because why else say it? Why else say it? I think it's made up. Why say that the the tea set was used to celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence? The razzle-dazzle. The razzle-dazzle. It's about the sizzle. I know. Not the steak. What do I always tell you? William... What do I keep telling you? <laughs> you just accosted me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Grab me by the elbow like an old man. Um, okay, so anyway, apparently what happens is that when somebody sits down in the chair, a red mist forms <laughs> and envelops the sitting person. Oh. That, and it is like sucking out their energy. Well, maybe that's how like, they knew. <laughs> so, forget all that. How do we know it's the chair? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good God. Yeah, right. There's a towel. There's That's a towel. right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. So um, the rumor is that this red mist is uh, materializing at the behest of a previous owner of the chair named Amelia. Now, George Easby has reportedly referred to Amelia, the spirit, as a loose cannon um, and said that Amelia would go through the house and throw open doors and then slam them again and just do things, try to scare the people inside of them, trying to drive them into the blue room so that she could then do their thing. So I'm imagining a big hallway of doors, a long hallway, and somebody slamming the door, and that person's like, whoa, and they go to the next room, whoa, go to the next one, whoa, and then they're in the blue room, and Amelia's like, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, gotcha in the room, but you can't make me sit in the chair, Amelia. Maybe she can, maybe she's like blowing cold gusts of wind at the back of your neck. Like, whew. It's so, it's so pathetic. So like, it's, it's almost pathetic and ineffective doesn't seem like right that she's like my chair is powerful she's but... taken four souls does that seem ineffective to you <laughs> yeah a little bit i mean <laughs> all she can do other unless she can make you sit in the chair she can just slam doors and try to get you to sit in the chair her red mist only works in the chair i'm not doing it <laughs> <laughs> well you know who did it apparently again oh, no. couldn't verify this i don't know oh, if this is geez. a real story paul kimmins a friend and empl- i couldn't find any record of this man yeah, I thought, you were, I thought you were about to say a celebrity's name or something. Oh, no. Well, to me. Superstar Paul Kimmins. <laughs> he was um, supposedly a friend and employee of the Easebees, and he worked in the house for a long time, but he never experienced anything, and he was a skeptic. And he was like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. So one day, he was escorting a medium through the house, Was like, who was like, whoa, I can't believe how many spirits are in here. What the heck? Um, and he's like, you know, taking her for a tour, doing their thing. And then for the first time ever, he saw something. He said that he saw a blue mist on the staircase and was like, well, that's very weird. And then when he went home for the day, he, um, got in his car and in the rear view mirror, he saw a ghost that he took to be Amelia. And he called up the medium and was like, Hey, this happened. And I don't know what she said. <laughs> so everybody <laughs> told her about yeah. it. So from then on, he apparently experienced a lot of activity. She would squeeze his uh, arms. Uh, uh, it's she would float over him in the bed, which sounds horrible that to sounds me. That sounds like a like, nightmare. Uh, uh. Um, and would appear to him randomly, just scaring the hell out of him here and there. Um, so he became exhausted and kind of sickly because he wasn't sleeping so hot. Because Amelia was just like looking at him over the bed and um, scaring him here and there. So then he was found slumped over in the chair in the blue room at one point. And they woke him up and they're like, Paul, no, get up. And then he passed away a few days later. Oh, okay. So maybe he decided almost to like end it. Oh, I don't know. I I thought in the blue chair. I thought she, she tormented him in some way that got him in the room and somehow manipulated him to sitting in the blue chair. But maybe, maybe Maybe, that's true. So he saw a blue mist on the stairs right? and the chair makes a red mist appear. I know. It's very, who knows? Video gamey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I also like the idea that he was exhausted by all this. Yes. And that he was just like, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. I'm just so tired. Yeah. I'm so tired. And then he opens his eyes and the ghost is just looking at him like, yeah. it's like, like that scary uh, ghost of Christmas. Pre- oh, no, past. She's still and, here. Um, Muppet Christmas Carol. She's I know. Still right here. Very scary. And then I got a little tidbit about the ownership of the house from um, guides, the unknown favorite haunted places.org. Oh, I love it. 
Um, someone commented, my father was great friends with the Meads, and I spent much of my childhood in this house. Definitely haunted, but they are all harmless. Um, the Meads was a family that owned the house at mm. a certain point. And then somebody commented under them and said, and this was written by somebody named Vicky, and they commented, Vicky, who owns the house now. So... What he's saying is that this person who left this comment and saying like, oh, I spent a lot of the, my childhood um, hanging out there. It's totally haunted, but it's it's just harmless that yeah. that person later bought the house and owns oh, it now. Well, that's cool. I know. Her comment was in 2014, and this other person's comment was um, 2021. Wow. Just like updated this to say like, hey, this Vicky, that's who owns the house now. That's very cool. So she may have like bought back like a piece of her childhood a little bit. Right. Like we want to. Yeah. To respect and honor. Yeah. True. Mm -hmm. Respect and honor the spirits that she believes are there. That's interesting. I know. That's very interesting. That's super cool. Yeah. All right. Um, Sweet. All right. How about uh, just like another quick mini? Mm -hmm. So I thought this was kind of cool. I stumbled across this Washington Square. Okay. It's a park in Philadelphia and evidently it is home to countless bodies Mm. so over the course of uh uh, years and years and years there was a a yellow fever epidemic in the 1700s um so washington park was known as essentially a gigantic mass grave Mm. um anybody who was uh destitute criminals uh uh, anyone If, if you died your body was buried in washington square park right um so they say this is a rumor and i don't think this is actually true they say that no matter where you dig in the park if you were to dig you would only have to go like a few inches before you would find bone and bodies which for me i've always been fascinated by that notion and as a as a very young child i convinced myself at one point i was like probably everywhere you walk yeah there's a body right beneath you Mm -hmm. somewhere yeah. Whether or not, you know, varying stages of decomposition. I'm not saying that there's a, a newly dead body right. six feet down or anything like that, but like the earth is millions of years old. Mm-hmm. There's a body of an animal or a person, a Cro-Magnon man, yeah. whatever. Just go down deep enough, straight down from every single spot. Right. And that's a little, you know, outlandish, but probably not far Probably not, off. yeah. And Washington Square Park is like bringing that fear of mind to life. So I've got this um, interesting tidbit from phillyghosts.com. Uh, so they want to talk about uh, um, what it was like back in the day mm-hmm. um, to have all these bodies in this pit. So one of the most lucrative business ventures in the days of yore was body snatching. The purpose of body snatching, primarily in the 19th century, was to sell the cadavers for dissection or anatomy lectures in medical schools. The canards were called resurrectionists or resurrection men. What's the canards? Is that like a a thief? Yeah, that's the thief. So if you dig up bodies... I don't know if I know that word. If you dig up bodies, you're a resurrection man. Okay. Right? Which is... Kind of a, an yeah. awesome title. Not not any good. No. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> but it's just neat, yeah, right? Neat. You're a resurrectionist. Mm-hmm. And although it was frowned upon, uh, and in many cases illegal, every town had a couple of scoundrels willing to meet the demands of academia. Um, and supposedly, there is also a bit of a funky phantom mm. in that park named Leah. Oh, okay. Who watches over 
those poor souls buried in Washington Square Park. Oh. And uh, she's, you know, we talked about when we did our Ghosts of Somerset County. Yeah. We talked about... Um, oh, the DNR Canal. Is that what you're thinking of? No, 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 no. Bloody... Oh, Knitting Betty? Knitting Betty. Yeah. How Knitting Betty was always looking out for, like, English soldiers <laughs> from the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Um, Leah here is watching over the people that are buried in the park, trying to keep her eye out for any resurrection men oh. who might come sniffing about. So she's almost like a protector. Yeah. Uh, but so she Thanks, is a, Leah. She's a ghost that haunts Washington Square Park, which is filled with yeah. corpses. To the brim. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right, before you move on to another nice little shorty, yeah, let's talk about a shorty named Tracy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tracy Michelle Bullock, that is, of SimplicityDoYourDream.com. As a matter of fact, why don't we let one of her clients tell you about her? Quote, my experience working with Tracy has been great. I enjoy talking to her every week. I love how she listens to everything I say patiently. And her advice is always on point. I like how honest she is in giving feedback on how I work, how she points out areas of improvement and lets me come up with solutions that I can apply to improve myself. Tracy is very good at reading your character and never gives a generic solution. She has opened my eyes to different career paths in the future to work on rather than being fixated on just one path. My weekly talks with Tracy have been the highlight of my career transition in 2021. That comes from Hadia. Wow, that's high praise to say that it's been like one of the highlights of your career in 2021. It can be huge to, work to get with on Tracy. Track. It's oh huge. yeah, yeah. I can see how that be like a real relief to feel like okay. Not that you're completely outsourcing right. your career stuff, but you know that there's a place where you're going to be working that out every week, yeah. and just like what mental real estate that must free up for the rest of your life. You're like, I'm going to get to this stability and support. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in speaking to Tracy, she offers free 30 minute coaching sessions. And you can book that through her Instagram or her website. So getting started is super easy, no risk. And 30 minutes is a lot of time. So I would take advantage of that if I were you. It's a very charitable offer yes. to have an initial conversation for free. So to check out Simplicity Do Your Dream and make your appointment for career coaching from someone who really gets it, go to at Tracy Michelle Bullock or www.simplicitydoyourdream.com. Just for Guide to the Unknown listeners, Tracy is offering 20% off your first month of coaching if you name drop GTTU pod when you get in touch with her. That's right. So that's at Tracy Michelle Bullock. Michelle has one L and simplicitydoyourdream.com and let Tracy know that Guide to the Unknown sent you for 20% off. Go. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hit us with another. Yeah. Okay. This is, um, this is weirder. Um, there's like a mix of information here. Okay. So the, the Mütter Museum. Yes. I think you and I are both fans of this mm -hmm. place. Um, it's a museum full of medical oddities. Yeah. So they have actual real life, you know, physical specimens on display. Mm -hmm. They have, um, I don't know if they still have it. They have had the skeleton of the, the tallest man in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, they have um, basically like a filing cabinet full of things that have been found in people's stomachs. Yeah. There's a pin that's like number one reader or something. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's an incredibly, you know, if you don't have the stomach for this sort of thing, it can be very 
tricky and challenging. Yeah. But it's it, there's certainly is a medical fascination here. There's a morbid fascination with the kinds of things that the Mutter, M-U-T-T-E-R, mm-hmm. museum displays. I have a tattoo that's inspired by the Mutter Museum. You do? I have a little that Philadelphia was, tattoo. That was one of the first things that I thought of, actually. That's right. My friend Sarah and I both like, you know, weird stuff, but mm-hmm. also cute stuff and enjoy the Mutter, Muse- Mutter Museum. And one of the items you could buy at their gift shop, at least a long time ago, was a conjoined twin um, gingerbread man cookie cutter. Yep. So Sarah and I each got that. Yeah. So it's like a, a little. Uh, yeah, it's like a little friendship. Yeah, friendship yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, one of the one of the most famous displays in the Mütter Museum is the soap lady. Yes. The soap lady. Do you know anything about this? I no, only in theory. I do, but I don't remember. All right. The information, admittedly, is all over the place. Mm-hmm. So here's the way that the Mütter Museum themselves describes the soap lady. The soap lady is the name given to a woman whose body was exhumed in Philadelphia in 1875. The specimen is unique because a fatty substance called adipakiri encases the remains. Okay. Now, adipakiri is what they're referring to as like a soap. Okay. Right? So it's made of, it's like a fatty substance it does have. Is my it underst- from her body? I think so. Yeah. I'm. I my information's a little all over the map here. Because I know it isn't you can, soap. Right. I mean, you can make soap out of any kind of fat. Right. So very famously in the book and movie Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. They they steal fat that's liposuctioned out of people to make soap. Oh my god! I don't remember that. Oh yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Fight Club makes you just want to puke. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not that she's, that's why the thing for fight club is a bar of soap. Yeah. It's human fat. I didn't remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, it's not that she's encased in soap, but certainly her corpse uh-huh. is encased in this adipokiri. Right. This, I guess, soap like sort of substance. Huh. Now, one of the crazy things is, um, to hear the Mütter museum explain it. No one knows who she is, where she came from, or really anything about her. Okay. The initial assumption was that she had died sometime in the 1700s and was probably older. Mm-hmm. Um, the the corpse, her her head is sort of cocked back and her mouth is wide open, almost as if wailing or screaming. Right. And her body is like black yeah. with soot. Or, or, you know, just from pollution, I don't know. I mean, think if you drop a bar of soap on a carpet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know? So it is it is real, and it is it is quite something to see. And they, they are not shy about posting photos. And if you go to the Mütter Museum, you can see it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was looking at this thing, trying to figure out what I was looking at. And the Mütter Museum tells an interesting story. So again, they assumed that she was probably an older person, died somewhere in the 1700s. The body was initially exhumed in 1875. Okay. In 1987, they did an x-ray mm-hmm. of the soap lady. And through the x-ray, they were able to see her clothes. And on her clothes, they were able to see buttons and pins, which when researched, they discovered those buttons and pins were not manufactured in the U.S. until the 1830s. Hmm. So the soap lady, at the time of being exhumed, Tops could have been dead for like 40 years. And yet, the way that she looks, especially encased in this adipakiri substance, is surprising. But also, during the x-ray, they determined that she might have been much younger Uh than they initially thought. 
uh, perhaps even being in her 20s. Maybe she just kind of had some sort of like genetic anomaly thing where her body produced that stuff more than other bodies would or something. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Huh. Um, I also have this from pen.museum. Um, the curious case of Mrs. Ellen Bogan. So I have another source here that's basically saying we know exactly who this was. Mm-hmm. Um, and here is how this article starts. Quote, old and probably ugly with a nutcracker profile. Hey. That's how Joseph McFarland, MD, referred to the soap lady, one of the Mooter Museum's most famous and enduring specimens. Probably ugly. I know. You don't know. I know. Uh, and that's in the eye of the beholder, bitch. Totally agreed. McFarland, the curator of the museum from 1937 to 1945, also called her, quote, one of the most revolting objects that can be imagined. Which just like... That's the, a person. It's a person. And and it's just so much more... Um, uh, that's not, a doctor who said that? Yeah. It's very disrespectful. I would not want him to be my doctor. Not at have all. a little bit more... Um, respect for human life and respect for the subjects that are in your museum that yes. presumably you're making a bunch of money off of. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I guess I knew that the Mütter museum was somewhat exploiting these mm-hmm. things on display, mm-hmm. but certainly that curator from the original curator guy or whatever. Yeah. It's like, all right, well screw you, pal. I know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know much about the workings of the Mütter museum. I Neither think that they I. work with, like the college or they something. Do. Yeah, I don't know. They do. Um, I think the actual like official name of the Mütter Museum is like, it explains yeah, their you're affiliation. Right. The Mütter Museum at the College of Physicians in Philadelphia. Right. So you would think that that means they're not exploiting these. Th- I mean, besides, you know, they kind of are, but like that there's a level of respect. Maybe they've you know? turned it around. Hippocratic oath. You know, maybe they've turned it around in. Uh, maybe that's not what the Hippocratic oath. Recent years. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, um, it doesn't fall under that. The original purpose of the collection. Oh, no, it's, it's to, you know, do no harm or whatever. So, yeah, the original purpose of the collection donated by. Dr. Thomas Dent Mutter in 1858 mm. was for biomedical research and education. So maybe it was just that one dude. Yeah, this, uh, right. What was his name here? Joseph McFarland, MD, hmm. the curator from 1937 to 1945. Maybe got, he was got just a bad more of a, Smith in there. a P.T. Barnum type person. I don't know. I, I think there's probably more for us to plumb from the Mutter Museum, mm-hmm. Mutter Museum. Um, I think we could even obviously go there. Yeah, totally. And, and give an account of our, our most recent visit or something like that. I would also say that there's probably something of an elephant in the room in that we're not talking about the Eastern State Penitentiary, which is, I would oh, say, yeah. arguably the most famous haunted Philadelphia thing. True. But I think that could be its own whole episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think you're 100% right about that. Yeah, I think both of our instincts here was to give like mm-hmm. some of the um, – some flavor yeah, of Philadelphia than, rather than some of the big guns. Yeah, yeah, stuff that's a little bit more obscure. Yeah. Um, why don't we bounce back over to me for a spell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And let's talk about Grumblethorpe. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> this was a home that is said to have been named for like some sort of fairy tale or something. Welcome from, like, to Grumblethorpe. Grumblethorpe. I'd like to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Can I please go? <laughs> um, and so it has some famous hauntings. Uh, first of all, British General James Agnew. You know about him, don't you? Yeah, I yeah. know the name. Me too. 
I don't know anything else. No. Um, reportedly haunts the home, and the blood stain of his death oh, remains God. there. You can still see it today because they this is a place that's open to the public, and you can do tours and stuff like that. Um, and there have been witnesses who said that they have seen a black mist rise from the spot from that blood stain and move throughout the house. Um, other people say that they stood on the spot and heard the sound of moaning and they heard it especially like there was a, a higher uptick in people saying that on the anniversary of Agnew's death. Wow. Right. So go visit that blood spot if that's your kind of thing. Um, also, there was a woman named Justina who lived with the first family who lived in this home, which was the Wister family. And interestingly, they were into <laughs> horticulture and Wisteria is named for them. That is interesting. I know. Thank you. Um, so Justina was taken in after her father died. And so I think she was probably brought in as some sort of servant or something. And she eventually became the house manager. So one night, the daughters of the family saw Justina standing at the foot of their beds, and they were weirded out because she was supposed to be in another building of the estate. Um, so more rich people stuff. Right. Um, and then they found out the next day that Justina had died overnight. So ever since then, she's been said to be a friendly spirit at Grumblethorpe. Um, <laughs> she loved to bake bread in real life. That was kind of her like Friday evening activity. So sometimes on Friday nights, if you sniff just right, you'll smell the smell of baking bread. How do you smell wrong? <laughs> I don't know. You just have to really lean smell into off? it. Yeah. <laughs> smell just right. I think I smell a loaf. <laughs> like something's baking um somebody making brownies <laughs> so people who work at grumblethorpe now claim to have seen figures as well they said that they've seen um eyes in the dining room mirror they oh. go, get, go to give their hair a little fluff and their eyes looking back at them Ugh. they've also seen figures in that mirror um they also have experienced things like this. So there was a volunteer named Kelly who remembered walking through a room upstairs with two other staff members in the middle of the day. And Kelly noticed their shadows cast on the floor, you know, just walk in and you just see whatever. Um, but she also noticed a fourth shadow that didn't belong to anyone in the room that was clearly wearing a dress when everyone else was in jeans. I love that. I know. I love that. I know. Um, I do too. That uh, calls to mind there was the uh, a demo for a new Silent Hill game, mm -hmm. which I was a tremendous fan of, and I think we've talked about many times here on the show. We did a whole um, episode all about Silent Hill. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, in that game, if you pay attention as you're playing, at some points you'll notice that your shadow is the shadow of the ghost that haunts the house, implying that she's right behind you or Ooh. possessing you. But you know, that's like the devil in Ghost Rider. Remember, yes. <laughs> he was like a he walked by the circus tent and you saw his shadow of like a little lizard man. Yeah, it was a little cretinous, right? Frail elderly frog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, another person who works there, um, the education director, Diana Thompson, remembered seeing, quote, a black shape low to the ground, spinning very quickly from the dining room into the colonial parlor. Now, I thought this was interesting because you and I, when we were on our way to the um, Warren's Paracon, actually, you weren't really listening. You were doing something else. But um, I was listening to The Demonologist, which was a book about the Warrens. Yeah. 
And it opens with a story about basically like a black tornado-y thing being in their house. Hmm. And this reminded me of that. It's a spinning black shape. Um, It says it's low to the ground, but still, it reminded me of it. So anyway, um, Diana Thompson sees this and then says, I'm not in the mood for this. After which the shape disappeared. I love that. I know. Diana Thompson is made of tough stuff, and yeah. she was like, can we not? Now, I think we've talked about this as well, the notion that perhaps you can opt out mm-hmm. of being haunted. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, maybe if you just speak directly to some ghosts, they will respond to I that. refuse to partake in this. Right. That's how you defeat Freddy Krueger in the original movie. That's you go, right. I don't believe in you anymore. You that's- can't scare me. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, I famously did that in New Orleans. And yes. I wasn't scared anymore. Yeah, you did. Um, so Thompson's son saw this same shape uh, not really long after that. So it seems to be a thing. And its description also matched an, ent- an entity that's been seen by other people near James Agnew's blood spot. Oh, my. So there's a little low to the ground black cyclone going through Grumblethorpe. Grumblethorpe. Yeah. I love that. I know. That's super cool. Right? That's very interesting. Um, Let's go to, um, I've got, um, all right, I've got a mini and then I've got, uh, I've got a mini that's not that interesting. Skip the mini that's not that interesting. Really? You don't even want to know why it's not that interesting? No. There's a cave and a mystic guy said that the end of the world would end. Okay. And they lived in there. Okay. That's it. It's called the Cave of Kelpius. Okay. <laughs> uh, Johannes Kelpius was a mystic guru from Transylvania, and he was 26 years old when he founded a society in the woods of people that thought the world would end in 1694. When it didn't, they just stuck around in the area making art. Oh. <laughs> but he can still visit the cave. It's called the Cave of Kelpius. So it's a real place. It's that just sounds nice. Very, very weird. Okay. Okay. Let's go by name. Okay. Do you want to hear about the green lady or do you want to hear about the bus to nowhere? The green lady. The green lady. All right. Uh, so the green lady is, I guess, a I, uh, spoiler alert. I don't think this is true at all. I tried to verify some of this myself like mm-hmm. independently and I, and I couldn't. Um, so there's an article that I found from phillytrib.com. That's philly, T-R-I-B.com. Um, called Back in the Day, The Green Lady Legend Struck Fear into Kids. So there's a story they tell about a, a female student at a school at the uh, Mary Salzberger Junior High. Okay, that's a mouthful. Mary Salzberger Junior <laughs> High. Maybe you can't pass until you can spell that name perfectly. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so this female student in the middle of the day suddenly runs through the halls screaming. Mm-hmm. Before collapsing on the ground, she faints. Uh, when she comes to, she explains what had her running around in such fright. Okay. She saw, quote, a ghost-like image of a person. When she described her, she described a person with a green face, green hair, quote, her eyes were flashy red. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fancy. Flashy, right? That's funny. It's kind of fancy description. Uh, and she was brandishing a spear. Oh. Now, this article from Philly Trib starts off with the following quote. So, are you, dear reader, wondering about the history of the Green Lady? Well, let me take you back to an October 9th, 1959 article that appeared in the Philadelphia Tribune titled 
rumored green lady cause of school panic. Okay. So they're saying that this really happened and was right. reported in a newspaper. Right. So I started looking this up every which way. Uh-huh. But you got the... <laughs> Go down to the library and look through the microfiche? I did. I was down there clicking, clocking away, Woo. and I came up with nothing. Hmm. When you Google um, rumored green lady cause of school panic, you know what you get? What? This article <laughs> that I was already reading. <laughs> I know. This happens all the time. And in a the few course clones of... of this article on other sites. Yes. In the co- course of ghost research, I'm always just coming back across what I originally read something from. It's, it's a causality loop. Yeah. You try to research these stories and they bring you back to the stories you were just reading. Yes. So point being, I have no, I, I do not believe that this was reported in the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Tribune. So with that understood, let's keep reading. Yes. So. Supposedly the principal of the school, a Dr. Miracle Neil Young. Hmm. Neil Young. Okay. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, even had to sedate several students. What? Yeah, that's what I wrote. <laughs> it literally <laughs> the, says. <laughs> the principal? In my notes. Sedated students? In my notes, it literally in all caps just says, what? <laughs> so. What do you mean? Yeah, the, uh, evidently, 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 several students after this first girl started freaking out, saying, "Yeah, they saw her, the green lady with a green face, red hair, flashy red eyes, and a spear." And so, Doctor Miracle Neil Young, the principal, sedated them. What the hell? Could that just mean calmed them down? Maybe played a little Harvest Moon for them. Calmed them right down. <laughs> Oh, boy, is that a Neil Young song? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a great joke. Thank you. If you know Neil Young. <laughs> of course. Come on. So um, uh, uh, basically the school this day went into a sort of lockdown. Now, I know that in the modern- <laughs> From the principal? Because they're like, careful, the principal's on the loose. He's <laughs> shooting people with- <laughs> The principal's walking around with Thorazine like, yeah, right. like Dr. Peter Venkman. <laughs> so um, the school went into a, a kind of a lockdown because of the story spreading and kids freaking out. Uh-huh. Now, modern context of a school going on lockdown, like there are all sorts of drills in school. We had them when I was in school. Yeah. Active shooter drills yep. where you all, you turn off the lights. They, they, I don't think they could even lock the classroom door. No. I don't think they could. No. And we would all just huddle in the corner together. Yeah, that'll do it. And a that's, tornado that's, drills. That's something we did. Drills. I know. That's something we did in school and they still do now. I know. If it's probably different, I bet the protocol is different, but yeah, probably is. It wasn't the tightest plan. No. Anyway. Um, but fact of the matter is if you believe the article and I don't, mm-hmm. this happened in 1959 where they right. went on lockdown because of, you know why they didn't have newspapers back then. Oh, no newspapers. Yeah. Too old. Too old. They went down on lockdown because of essentially like a ghoul. This is a wild story. Or a, a ghost or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the story spread from there and other schools started telling, you know, the tale of the green lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's here's what I wrote down. I wrote, I firmly don't think this ever, ever happened. <laughs> but I also love this idea for a horror story. A bright, sunny school day where nothing should ever go wrong. And yet the teachers are shocked and unable to explain what's happening as student after student claim to have essentially seen a ghost. Right. That is awesome. Right? Like from the teacher's perspective of being like, everyone calm down. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. There's no such thing as ghost. And then somebody else runs in. They're like, I saw two. Yeah, yeah. And like independent 
of mm-hmm. each other. The kids are like, no, 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 no. We're seeing a ghost. It's corroborated. And the adults maybe can't see it or just aren't seeing it. Or I, I don't know. So yeah, that's what fine. do you do to help this situation at all? You just have to wait till the end of the school day to send them home? What do you do? <laughs> I guess you close early. What do you do? I would do the opposite of a lockdown. I would send the kids home. You get them out of there? Yeah, because if, you know, let's hope the ghost is attached to the school. I know, but I don't think you can just open the doors and let the kids leave. I don't know how right? old they are. You got to call their mommy and daddy you or gotta something. You got to call mommy and daddy. Mommy and mommy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just don't, um, anyway, I, I guess I'm at a point in my life where I, I think about this from the perspective of an adult mm-hmm. and I relate to the uh, perspective of an adult who's supposed to be an authority figure I, yeah. yet is still afraid of stuff themselves. Of course. So it's very interesting to me to put myself in the shoes of a teacher that's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you saw a g- g- ghost? A g- 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 ghost? It flowed green? Don't don't worry, everybody. I'll, I'll take care of this. Yeah. And yet I have no idea. I don't want to be doing. the one in charge. Right? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that this could be a fascinating idea for a story. But yeah. did it ever happen? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Hmm. Oh, no. Darn. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <gasps> oh, somebody's been on TikTok. <laughs> I have. I've looked at TikTok recently. You what? I looked at it. Oh, yeah. Did TikTok. You, did you enjoy it? I like that song. It's <laughs> sure stuck in my head. All right. Should I take us on home? Please do. Okay. Yeah, let's get so out of Philadelphia. Is, yeah, right. We're getting home from Philadelphia. Yeah. There are too many ghosts here. It's too spooky. Um, so this is also just a very qu- shorty, I was about to say quickie, shorty quickie, uh, about City Tavern, which is a bar in Philadelphia. And this is where the founding fathers dined and drank. Oh, maybe this is where Benjamin Franklin's statue was trying to go. I know. I said that before. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so. Well, then it was a callback to your joke. Well, <laughs> intentionally, perhaps. Well, okay. So it was established in 1773. It was a hot spot for our founding fathers. Um, but there was a fire in 1834. A very hot that, spot. Yeah, apparently. That messed it up. And so it was eventually torn down, then rebuilt in 1976. So when it was rebuilt, it was done to honor tradition and made to look like it probably originally looked. 1976 so, would be the uh, the bicentennial. Right. Yes. Yeah. What? Why do you know that? 1776. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. What? I don't know. I forgot what the bicentennial was for a second. I was surprised. I had that written down here, and I was just leaving it out. And I'm surprised that you like oh. knew a part of my notes that I had decided to. never heard that in person before i've only ever heard the recording of it yeah wow it really sounds like an alarm doesn't it yeah that was molly the dog dreaming yes yeah that was awesome i don't think she's ever done it that many times ever maybe she's having crazy dreams because of the stories we're telling maybe maybe we're freaking out yeah oh molly well let me wrap this up so we can go to her okay okay so it was reconstructed in 1976 for the bicentennial mm-hmm. um, to look like its original place. 
So spirits who have said, who are said to be here are a bride who was killed when there was a fire in her room. And also the spirit of a waiter who was killed in a duel. Oh. Yes. Um, people say that the bride spirit can be seen in City Tavern's window, and the spirit of the waiter is said to be moving tableware and like jostling silverware and stuff. So he's still got to do waiter stuff? I know. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to be seen, and like the tables and the silverware are there. Won't you acknowledge me? Yeah, play, maybe he's working with what he's got. He's like jingling this stuff, not that he's like, right. you know, rolling silverware on his break or whatever. Oh, uh, what a, what a, what a rough. Yeah. What a rough existence. I know. He was a waiter and he died in a duel. Yeah, a duel. He stood out in the what street happened? and got shot to death. Was there a guy who he was serving in that moment who started like picking on him and then they were forced to go into a duel? I said no onions. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he slapped him in the face with a napkin. I challenge you yeah. <laughs> to a duel. To a duel. To the death. So that is Philadelphia. Yeah, that's what's going on in Philly, everybody. Right. There's more stuff going on, but this yeah. is what we decided to serve up. Jesse and Mike, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. I hope you're all scared in Philly now. Yeah, right. I hope you and <laughs> your wonderful pets are uncomfortable and scared now. <laughs> Regret poor, the move. Poor Herman and Lorenzo. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Pack your bags. Go. No. <laughs> you hear clanking outside at night and you know it's Benjamin Franklin's statue. <laughs> Walking past her window, clonk, clonk, clonk. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to my fair city. <laughs> Maybe you need to come back to New Jersey. Maybe clonk, this isn't safe. <laughs> clonk. Now, it's so funny to also be like some nights Benjamin Franklin's statue gets down off his pedestal and walks around. Like, especially today, uh-huh. where it's like there are surveillance cameras literally everywhere. Yes. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine like helicopter we footage. We unequivocally know that Benjamin Franklin's statue yeah. has not come down from his pedestal. Yes. Imagine helicopter footage with like the spotlight as the statue of Benjamin Franklin walks. <laughs> Walks down the street and they're like, there's a ticker at the bottom of the screen. Like, he rises. My brain would break. What? If that was on what? The news. Well, it, it would almost not be special, right? Because it would probably, it would, if it happened all the time, we would just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, Thursday. Well, the first time it happened. It's Thursday, so yeah. The first time it happened, it'd be pretty damn special. Can you imagine if we like <laughs> went on our phones on CNN after this and there's live footage of Benjamin <laughs> Franklin's statue lifting up his heavy ass legs? <laughs> Clonking over to City Tavern, going to that love sculpture. Yeah, crushing the sidewalk with every step. Yeah, those old cobblestones. How heavy is a statue? Those cobbles would not stand a chance. No way. Under those big feet. Ironically, getting struck by lightning. Oh. Hmm. What? Because he's Benjamin Franklin. No, I know, but what do you mean, ironically, getting... He doesn't need a a kite to, to conduct electricity anymore. What? Okay. How is he conducting electricity? He's metal. Oh, okay. Okay. Every- uh, I was confused with the, the cobble edition, cobblestone. You added the cobble. I know, but then you responded to... Forget it. Okay. Thank you. I never added cobble. Yeah, you responded to me adding the cobble. Shut up. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the show and or watching it. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more Guides to the Unknown, we have a robust patreon now it's at patreon.com slash gttu pod and there are options to get either one bonus episode a month all the way up to 
four bonus episodes a month or weekly, depends on the month, I guess. And those options run from $4 to $13 a month. And so go check it out. There are plenty of ways that you can support the show and then get some really cool bonus stuff as a thank you. Yeah, literally right now, you could have the full Guide to the Own Experience starting at our $13 tier, the demon level. Mm -hmm. So sign up there and you're going to get new episodes every single Monday. Yep. And you'll get access to every other exclusive thing that's that's sitting up there waiting for you. That's right. So you can have a guide to the unknown sandwich every week, Monday, Friday. Not so bad. <laughs> not, not too bad. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. GTTUpod.com is the home of all things Guide to the Unknown. We've got links to the Patreon, links to our merchandise, links to our social media. And as always, you can follow us online. I am at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So we will see you again next week when we're back sitting here with more spooky stories to share with each other and you. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Boom. And to Philadelphia sometime. I think it'd be fun to... Yeah, I really like Philadelphia. Yeah, me too. It's nice. We should go to the the Mütter Museum. Yeah, be I haven't cool. been there in a really long time. Neither have I. Like years. Years yeah. I have not been there.